0: Well, I'm back. Gloria arrived at 5.30, already raving a mile a minute about Murphy and our sudden impromptu friendship. I'm not, like, jealous or anything. It's just surprising. Like, how did that happen? Should I be expecting a happy announcement anytime soon? I let her go on like this for about 20 minutes before telling her that the only way I'd fall for Murphy was if he suddenly sprouted a different set of genitals. That shut her up just long enough to hear someone knocking at my door. Speak of the devil, it was Murphy, looking harried and anxious. I did my best to put him at ease, but with Gloria's accusing glare right next to me, I'm not sure how much good that did. Echedian wouldn't join us for dinner, saying he was tired and that I should be able to spend some alone time with my friends. He wasn't tired, and I knew it, and he knew that I knew it, but no one acknowledged his lie as he went back to his adjoining hexagon. Our family got lucky, having once been so large, that we can still have an entire gallery to ourselves, but I've never been gladder of it than I was that night, because we had a lot to talk about. We left the heavy stuff for after dinner, only chatting about class and our shared history and how silly it was that we hadn't done this sooner and all that. I played wingman to the best of my ability, only to get glares of reproach in return. Ah, well. Like I always say, the life of a wingman is the life of a martyr. (laughs) Anyways, when the plates were empty and our stomachs were full, it became clear that the time had come. To Murphy's everlasting credit, he didn't beat around the bush, pulling himself closer to the table so that he could lean on his elbows. So I have a source that says the government official is being sent down here to do an investigation on the Puritan problem we've had recently. The word is he's crooked, and owes his alliance to the highest bidder, and wherever he goes, disaster always follows. He wasn't looking at me, but at Gloria, and she looked right back at him, calm but focused. It struck me at that moment how much she was her father's daughter. She held herself like royalty, at ease in even the most critical situation. I was a little jealous of her at that moment, and tried to mimic her posture. Define disaster, she said. Political scandals, food shortages, terrorist attacks, you name it. Nothing that can be drawn back directly to him, mind you, but enough to drive a wedge of fear into any community. Nobody I talked to would say much, but from what I heard, anyone who messes with him mysteriously disappears. And you think my father has something to do with this? She asked this quite calmly, like she were asking for the time, but Murphy shot up immediately. No, he said. Forget about your dad for a minute, I said. What I want to know is if you've heard anything about this guy, or anything about the Puritans, where they're coming from, what their goals are. I know your dad probably wouldn't tell you directly, but if surely if there was something wrong, he'd seem, I don't know, stressed? Maybe he's been working later, or going out at weird times? Something about what I said there suddenly struck me, but I couldn't pinpoint what it was. Gloria looked at both of us, and then down at her hands, which were clasped together in front of her. She looked at them as she spoke. You're right, he has been acting funny. I hadn't really given it much thought, but two nights ago, I saw him arguing with someone in his office. It was a man, but not one I'd ever seen before. He was wearing a blue overcoat and carrying a briefcase. An LIB official, Murphy and I said in tandem. Gloria nodded. Exactly what I thought. I saw him walk out, you guys, and he didn't have his badge. They're always supposed to wear a badge. For the first time in the conversation, her mask of professionalism slipped, and I caught the slightest hint of desperation in her expression. It was gone in an instant, and she continued. I only caught a little bit of the conversation, but my father was saying, It's more than that. I have an entire circuit to think about. And then he said, I have to think about this. In between anything, my father said, the man moved like he was responding, but I didn't hear him say anything. That's what caught my attention in the first place, Elpis. I thought he was talking to himself. She took a deep, shuddering breath and closed her eyes. Murphy laid a hand across hers. Do you really think it was the same man you heard about? She said. The snake. I waited for his answer. I really don't know, he said. I'd like to say no, but it sounds like him. But don't worry, Gloria, we'll get to the bottom of this. But what then? I asked. What happens then? Nobody said anything. Nobody knew. They left soon after that, with my friend's academic rivalry stronger and friendlier than ever. I went straight to bed then. I was just exhausted. I'm not sure how long I had been asleep when I woke up to raised voices in the next room. "'How could you do this to us?' Chetty was saying. "'How could you do this to your family?' "'I'm doing this for our family,' Hubis replied, and I heard the click-clack of plastic bowls being shoved around carelessly. "'You think you're slick, sucking up to them, but just you wait. "'They'll drop you faster than you could. "'What do you want me to do, Chedian? There's a new mandate.' His voice dropped. I couldn't catch the last bit. "'Oh, bullshit!' I heard something, probably a book being thrown across the room. I mean, a Chetian throwing things? I moved to get up and to intervene when the voices came closer, right outside my door. Quickly, I threw the covers over my head and pretended to be asleep. You don't care about anyone but yourself. A pair of footsteps marched down the hall and then a door slammed, knocking over even more books. I strained to listen for any other movement. After a long moment, my door creaked open and I heard the unmistakable sound of my older brother's shoes trying to step quietly over the floor to my cot. With my back to him, I must have seemed asleep. I tried to keep my breathing even. He knelt to me for a long time, and then I felt his hand stroke my hair. "'I'm sorry, Opie,' he muttered, softly, more to himself than to me. "'I'm trying. I really am. I don't know what to do anymore.' How to do any of this there's just no manual i wish mom and dad were still here i wish you had them instead of me i i tried to lie still and keep my breathing even but my heart was pounding wildly he'd never talked to me like that before and i felt my face flush with tears i wonder if he does that often you know talks to me when he thinks i can't listen Anyways, I think he bought it cuz just then I felt him brush my bangs from my face, kiss my temple lightly just once before get before getting up to leave. He closed the door quietly behind him. I'm so ashamed. How hard must it have been for him? He wasn't much older than I am now when mom and dad died. I can't I can't stop thinking about it. I mean, he just lost his parents and instead of saying, "No way, no, you two aren't my problem." He buckled down and he got a job? He kept his two kids' siblings clothed and fed in and, and school? And for what? Our scorn? <laughs> but what else can I do? How can I thank him without giving up what matters most to me? How can I tell him I appreciate what he's done but not how he's done it? And why do I feel like I only have a little while left to say it? Whatever. Whatever. Long night. Today's bound to be even longer. I'll talk to you guys later. Bye, strangers.